presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise-related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. In 1968, Dr. Kenneth Cooper introduced a new word and a new concept to the world, aerobics. How did this track star from Oklahoma become one of the most loved and well-known names in American medicine? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ken Cooper. Dr. Cooper published his first bestseller, Aerobics, in 1968. Since then, he has authored 19 books, and his name has become synonymous with preventive medicine. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Well, Dr. Cooper, it's an honor to have you here on ReachMD. And your story is one of the most fascinating, I think, in all of modern medicine. Um, you started your career in medicine in the Air Force. Tell us about that. Starting in 1960, after I transferred from being in the Army for two and a half years, paying back my military obligation time for I was deferred during medical school and internship, to go into the aerospace medicine program. I've always enjoyed flying, and I thought I'd become a sinus astronaut. Beginning at that time, though, I ended up having a frightening experience at uh, 29 years of age. I went water skiing for the first time in about eight years. And during my uh, early years, I skied regularly, almost professionally, and I was an outstanding athlete. But I went to medical school. I got fat. I didn't exercise, totally deconditioned, and I had a superventricular tachycardia at age 29 while water skiing. I thought I was having a heart attack. They got me onto the hospital. I was worked up, didn't find anything wrong. He said, by that time, my heart rate had come back to normal. And they said, Doc, the only thing wrong with you, you're out of shape. That made me change my life to the extent that I lost the 40 pounds within six months. I ran my first marathon a year later, and I ran for 44 years. And I broke my leg uh, three years ago skiing up in Colorado. Oh, no. It also changed not only my life, but it changed my profession. I lost interest in going to the space program because I discovered that preventing medicine was the field of medicine sadly ignored. And so I decided to go on and pursue my training in preventive medicine. That's what brought me to where I am today. And what was the initial reaction from the medical community when you started talking about things like prevention and aerobics? Well, I remember when I was in medical school back in the 60s, we were taught that preventive medicine is the center of the medical specialties because there's no profit in health. Once I left the Air Force, almost 40 years of age now, that's 37 years ago, and I was told by my supportive colleagues, there's no way you can limit your practice of medicine to taking care of healthy people. People sit in positions when they're sick, not when they're well. I thought they were right for the first couple of years because I didn't see many patients. <laughs> but as you know, you've been here. We've now grown from a tomb office and two employees to a 30-acre facility here with 33 physicians, a staff of 700. And we just opened up a whole new center out in McKinney, Texas. The concept has exploded. But contrary to what I saw uh, initially when my first book was published in 1968, and so in the medical journals and newspapers, they said the streets can be full of dead joggers as more Americans follow Cooper. I was concerned about that, needless to say, but I'm happy to say that when the American baby boomers began the exercise revolution in 1968, it went from only 24% exercising to 59% exercising. Over a 22-year period, deaths from heart disease didn't go up. They dropped, went down by 48%. So it had an impact during that 22-year period that has now spun off to what it is now. And now, contrary to my expectation, the preventive medicine is a byword in American medicine. Yeah. But we have no choice with the cost of health care just going rapidly through the ceiling. We've got to do something. And what we've learned here over the past uh, 37 years, it is cheaper, more effective to maintain good health than to regain it once it's lost. 
And that's what's made us successful. Now, Dr. Cooper, as you know, I had the good fortune of being a patient at the Cooper Clinic in Dallas last year. And at least the day that I was there, I would say at least half of my fellow patients were actually physicians. Is that typical for your clinic? Well, it is. And we've said before, we probably have more physicians as patients in the clinic, at least in this community. Because physicians have found, as has corporate America, they can come here in a very short period of time, get the most comprehensive examination anywhere in this country. And we also get them results at the end of the day. So I think the rapidity with which we do this examination, because that's all we do, as you know. We don't have acute care responsibilities. We don't have to rush down to the hospital and take care of a patient. This is all we do. And as a result of this, we've been highly successful. And yes, physicians do appreciate this, even to the extent that initially when they fought me, then they started sending me patients, and then finally they come themselves. We've gone the whole, whole nine yards on that. And it, it really is. I mean, it works like a machine. I brought my computer along thinking I'd have a lot of dead time to wait and I could do some work. Well, needless to say, I never even booted up my computer. You kept me busy the entire day. I'm glad to hear that. Now, unfortunately, I think, as is your story, that many of our physician colleagues haven't listened to this message for their own health. And I look around at medical meetings and, and see um, certainly the obvious thing like being overweight, but even see these guys going out for smoke breaks. And women, too, don't want to say it's all guys. Why do you think that some of our colleagues still haven't gotten the message, at least in their own lives, about prevention and the value of exercise? I don't think they've been reading the literature because it is overwhelming now what you can do to prevent disease, extend life, quality of life, reduce the cost of health care. I'm surprised I go to medical meetings, although I'm pleased to see that the numbers that smoke now are vastly lower than what they were 25, 30 years ago. Even obesity is less now than it was 25 or 30 years ago. So gradually we're getting the message across to our physician colleagues. But I've said for years, I speak to physician groups all over the world. If you want to have an impact on your patient, on your family, you've got to lead the way. How successful I'd be speaking 150 times a year all over the world if I weighed 50 pounds overweight. I'm the same way I weighed when I graduated from high school. But on the hall, lit up a cigarette. If I didn't practice what I preached, I would be totally unsuccessful. So physicians must get that message. If you want to impress upon your patients the need for practical preventive medicine, you've got to set the example. If you want the troops to get involved, get the general involved. If you want to get the corporation involved, get the CEO involved. I lead the example for my 700 staff members, and about 95% of our people work out regularly. We have the most fit group of physicians in any clinic in America, I guarantee you. I think you do. Now, one of the other things you've done at the Cooper Clinic is you've amassed an incredible database. Tell us about that. Lastly, it's unprecedented. In, in the last 37 years, we've had over 95,000 patients to come to our clinic from one to 37 times. That means we've done at least 250,000 examinations during that time, at least 250,000 maximum performance treadmill stress tests. I'm happy to say we've never had a death with stress testing. And amassed the database for 1.2 million persons of follow-up on those patients. No one has that kind of data. And that's why we published over 600 papers in the last 37 years. I think it's safe to say we bridge the gap between fadism and scientific legitimacy, you guys exercise the practice of medicine. I just came back from Italy where I was speaking just a couple of weeks ago. And the physician said over there, Dr. Cooper, you say something about exercise. How much is enough? How much is too much? The whole world listens. And less that's strictly because that database we started amassing back in 1970. Now, Dr. Cooper, at the clinic, many of your patients, if not all of them, have primary care docs elsewhere. What do you see from these referring docs? What are they doing well? And, and what could we be doing better out there in the community? Well, without question, the practice of acute care medicine is outstanding in America. We're paying a price for it. And as a result of that, the escalation of the cost of health care is getting out of control. 
And that's why I'm finding that physicians would have to start embracing the concepts that we found successful for the past 37 years for changing lifestyles, not just taking care of acute disease. For example, we have this four-step approach. Number one, make it a very thorough evaluation. Number two, must be an educational motivation experience. Number three, give them recommendations for how to change their lifestyle that's safe, effective, and realistic. And number four, follow-up. Now, physicians do a good evaluation as far as taking care of acute needs, but what they do as far as education, motivation. We see four patients a day, spend an hour and a half with each patient. And you can't spend seven minutes with a patient, as the average in America is, is at the present time, expect to do much in the practice of preventing medicine. But as physicians are saying, we don't get reimbursed for that. And that's exactly right. You can't get reimbursement from your insurance company for a preventing medical examination. That's very rare. But I keep telling the patients that come to my clinic, I said, what you pay for this examination here is the best health insurance you can buy. Health insurance is disease insurance. Life insurance is death insurance. What you're getting through our clinic is the best health insurance, life insurance you can buy. And 80% of our patients pay their own way through this examination. I tell my physicians on a daily basis, too, that our patients come from all over the country, all over the world, and they pay a significant amount of money to go through these very conference examinations, and they certainly aren't coming back unless they feel their dollars are well spent. And I tell my physicians, I'm convinced that our patients are equally concerned about how much we care as they are how much we know. I think we've lost that in medicine. Now, your messages, as you've talked about, uh, you travel all throughout the world, and it's uh, kind of fun that in Brazil, uh, running is actually called coopering. Yes, that's exactly right. And let's see what happened. My first book came out in 1968. And in 1969, I was still in the military, and I went to Fontainebleau, France, to participate in the Congress of International Sports Militaire. At that meeting was the trainer, captain of the military at that time, with the Brazilian World Cup soccer team. And he was so enthralled with this book and our concepts, knowing they're going to be participating in World Cup in Mexico City in 1970, he thought if I could help them train the World Cup team in preparation for Mexico City, it might be of value. I said, great. He came to San Antonio, where I was living at the time. He spent six weeks with us. Then went back to Brazil, to Rio de Janeiro, implemented the Cooper concept, and they completely won. They won five consecutive matches and destroyed the opposition, and they were in great condition. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. We've been speaking with a legend, Dr. Ken Cooper, and discussing his career in preventive medicine. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.